This is a family matter The casualties after the intergalactic battles This little child slept through If life is a story, then mine is a saga And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you And we'll ride it long enough if they let you Welcome back to Brian K. Pod, the internet's only podcast about comic book author extraordinaire Brian K. Vaughn and his series Saga, co-authored, because she's the artist, with Fiona Staples. Uh, it's also hosted by me, Spencer. And me, Logan. I lost the plot at the end, Logan. I've been doing well, and then I screwed it up. <laughs> That's what happens with a three-week you're, break. I was about to say, you're out of practice. Um, and then my phone just said... It didn't hear me. I guess Siri thought I was talking to it. Um, anyway, <laughs> welcome back to this podcast where we break down every episode an issue of Saga. This episode is issue 16. Um, so be you know caught up if you have not read ahead yet. And if you are uh, looking to refresh yourself before you listen to us talk about it, we're talking about issue number 16. Spoilers for the whole series up to this point. Logan has read ahead uh, over the years, and so he knows what comes uh, in the future, but I don't. So he's not going to spoil it for me or you if you were unaware uh and if you're looking for that deep dive of like this relates to the future this way you're not getting that here because i'm not letting them spoil my experience um but it's actually really good and i kind of just want to keep reading but anyway um so we also talk about our favorite panel or page of uh each issue at the end uh, so we'll get to that at some point and uh, usually we just go from beginning to end of the issues uh so we're gonna just do that uh sorry for our delay uh mostly by that i mean all of my fault but that's kind of been the story of the last couple of months uh, but we're here and we're glad that you're here too thanks for being here logan yeah no shame so no shame life. except my own self-inflicted shame <laughs> life happens so well uh, uh do you want to start with the cover this time around yeah also like uh i see the fs13 which makes me feel so damn old because that means this issue is 10 years old (laughs) (laughs) i read this 10 years ago actually i don't think i jumped on saga until it was in its like fourth year or so so yeah but almost 10 years ago (laughs) i was thinking my i was talking to my son about something and realized that um, which I know you're a little bit older than me, but I was basically figuring out how many years it had been since I saw a movie in high school. Um, and it was a very long time. I was very stunned to think about that. We're old, and let's talk about saga, not oldness. Okay. Um, this is a hundred... I don't want to say it's my favorite, but I will say it's my favorite cover that doesn't feature the main characters i love this cover no the cover is awesome i love the colors this is really uh, again one of those the transition to more actiony or or um moving uh covers not emotionally moving but like physical movement kinetic is the word i'm looking for this is one another kinetic cover and it's really cool but i also love the colors the like the sort of like pine cone pinkish thing behind them and the red flower things on the right and the green, all those, I mean, that red, the the yellow, and it's just the colors and then their body colors, the light blue and the, the green. It's very, it's just a very vibrant thing. It's not all one primary. It's very, it's just so kinetic and vibrant instead of primary and, and 
um, almost uh, museum quality, like some of those early covers uh, in terms yeah. of like it's like a picture of a part of a sculpture, like it's like a hand or whatever else. But here it's very kinetic. Um, but I, it's so funny, the breakdown of my favorite cover, not about the main cast. <laughs> we're going to have like 15 <laughs> categories of favorite covers by the time we're done with this. But no, it's great. Um, yeah, and I, I've mentioned before how much I enjoy these two characters just so, so much. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they heavily feature in this issue. Yeah, this seems to be like their issue so far. Like they've been little the flashback slash kind of context story at the beginning of, of uh, issues. But here this seems to be theirs for now, at least. Um, so speaking of, we start with a, a no comment on a Batman flying down <laughs> from the sky. Um, He's a man bat, right? Not a Batman. Yes. Man bat, sorry. Pun <laughs> that, searching for the pun. There's that whole, uh, who, who did it? There's a show that did it. That's, it's a whole man bat, Batman, man bat debate. Like. Anyway, that was a, it's a joke, but if you if you've never heard that whole debate, it's not really funny. So <laughs> fair yeah. enough. So so talk to us talk us through their uh, you you know you love these characters so much. Uh, they are continuing their investigation into Alana. Uh, they have a photograph they're investigating that shows her appearing to have a Mooney wedding ring on, which is deeply shocking um, to their society. What, what talk us through the uh, the interaction here? What's what's funny to I guess to me about all that is that picture. All I'm thinking about is oh, that's where she got that poncho. <laughs> Stealing it off a laundry line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, they're they're uh, speaking to uh, a agent Gale. I think it's yeah, Gale is his name. Yeah. Um. And the. They're wanting to find out about Alana running off with uh, Marco and kind of, you know, find out what this dude knows. And he tries to repeatedly shut them down with various, you know, the way people do, you know, like no comment, you know, uh, get off my roof. Or I love the the debate of like. Uh, oh, are are these landing pads only for people with wings? Like it, it just right. it, it's such a, a a good little dig, and also a way to show us like inside that that society, like how it breaks mm -hmm. up. Um, and then he's like, yeah, put the damn picture away, come inside, and then he gives them this whole spiel about uh, he's not going to confirm anything, but she's a spy. Basically, she's the departed, and he's like the, one of the few that knows. It's like yes, that's that seems to be like the the the, the cover story is basically the departed. And and the departed had not come out yet, right? And not not that 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 was a stolen plot. Well, everything's stolen, but what, the departed was based off something else, wasn't it? Yeah, Infernal Affairs. Okay, as the, yes. the Asian film. But yeah, so. Um, I do like how he throws Gale throws back at him at them like because there's a whole thing about the landing pad only for wings. But then he also throws back. But your planet essentially doesn't like gay people. Um, and like so there's the 
the different, I, I don't know, cultural um, problems within each society are also known by the other societies. Um, yeah. it's, it's almost like how we're like, people in the South have certain biases and people know it and people in the North have certain, and everybody knows it, but it's interplanetary, which is like, gosh, the amount of drama. <laughs> uh, but it, I mean, and I feel like he's clearly making a, a dig at them, telling them that he knows that they're a couple without out and out saying it. Like, yeah, there's uh-huh, definitely like, you the have bold. to keep your love a secret and I don't, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so, so interesting back and forth. Gail is definitely trying to shut them down, but then we get a cameo from one of your other favorite characters, our seahorse <laughs> freelance agent, I guess. Agent. The, the scratched out thing is my favorite bit. <laughs> Mother, Uncle Steve, only in case of the death. brand. So good. The brand. Um, before we move on from the Alana spy thing. At no point were you ever convinced, like, in that, because that, it's one page, right? Right. Or maybe two, where he's just, yeah, like, ne- trying never to tell never for them. a moment. Okay, yeah. Um, now that, that Brian K. Vaughn was trying to uh, get anybody seriously on that path, because obviously he negates it two, day, two pages later, but... Like, I, I'm just curious if anybody was ever like, what the fuck? She's a spy. You know, and then two pages later, like, oh, no, she's not. Like, I, I mean, I don't think I ever bought it either. But um, just just, you know, wondering. It, it's a good it's a good fake out. But I also think he's like saying, hey, just to be assured, that's not the story we're telling. That's why the placement of the call is so quick. To, to happen i think and for us yeah. to see it um because it, it could be it could have been honestly it could have been a plot in a lesser series you know um yeah but but he knows to say like this is the he's got to say this in this moment because he's trying to keep all this covered up um but now he's gonna have to get get those guys killed because they know too much it's funny i just caught up on the the boys the amazon series mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of stuff like that in that show. I don't know if you watched any of it. Not um, a bit. I know everybody seems it, to think it's great. I've just never seen it. It is so violent. Um, <laughs> and if you're in, if you're in that mood, it's a lot of fun. If you're not, it is. It, yeah, it's a rough watch. But that it's so soap opera with it, its plot twists and turns that. Um, it, yeah, it, it, a vein, like everything in that show is in that same vein of like, what, you're a spy? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but Carl Urban is fucking fantastic. So Yeah, he's the one I still can't get over the fact that I haven't seen it because I like him so much. Um, and I just can't, I can't believe that I haven't watched it. No, no good, no good reason there. The the Except casting of the time. show is, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. The casting of the show is is almost pitch perfect. It's just super violent, lots of sex and lots of violent sex. Um, so yeah, it, it's a rough watch if you're not in that headspace. But anyway, moving on. So moving on to story time. Um, so <laughs> yeah. we will, so so I do like that. 
the first of all, I like that it's a scary story that's being read to to the baby. But um, and I would totally read like a short graphic novel of this story, whatever it is, especially with this, the art looking like this. Um, But what I really like is the breakdown of. So the whole idea is that that um, that heist is reading to Hazel as a scary story. And everyone's kind of like. Should you be reading the scary stuff to the kid? Um, but I really like the the whole breakdown of what uh, kids' stories are. Um, essentially saying, um, so this is it. All, all good children's stories are the same. Young creature breaks rules, has incredible adventure, then returns home with the knowledge that the aforementioned rules are there for a reason. Of course, the actual message to the careful reader is break rules as often as you can because who the hell doesn't want to have an adventure? And I really think that like when you talk about like why do you show your kid that or why do you let them read that thing that's scary or that's intense or whatever else like that sums it all up right there. Nice and neat. Why do we let them watch 80s movies when like 35 years later, 40 years later, we know better than a lot of the stuff that's there because of what he just said in two succinct paragraphs? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's my I don't think my parents ever flinched on letting us like if we wanted to watch. Like, that was fine. What my my dad didn't want us watching a lot of stuff with nudity in it very young. Um, And I think my mom didn't like the cursing. My dad cursed like a sailor, so he didn't care about the cursing. We were going to hear it anyway. Um, so, I mean, as a kid, the Halloween franchise, I mean, mm-hmm. I watch those all the time and it's some scary shit for an eight year old. So, uh, no, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, it's funny. I had a similar experience, except nothing really mattered. It just sort of, as long as I left everybody alone everybody being just my mom alone um then i could watch whatever i wanted to until i got to high school and then it kind of flipped it was very strange the the, i'm like mom i've seen i've heard the thing i'm wanting to rent i've actually seen eight times i'm just wanting to rent it again um and so um but yeah it's um but i do i did experience a lot of the like i could talk to parents about movies they'd seen that my friends couldn't talk to them about. Um, and, but there would always be kind of the question of like, you can watch this. You have watched this. And I'm reading this going, this is kind of like, I turned out to be better behaved than most of your kids. And as an adult doing pretty well too, you know, <laughs> got pretty stable. And, uh, yeah. your son tried to sell me cocaine for the back of his outback job. <laughs> so like, like, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe, maybe the, the John Cod Van Damme movies and, and whatever else worked out just fine for me. <laughs> So, um, it's all, it's always weird. Like the things their parents won't, won't let them watch. Um, I had a friend, a church friend when we were little that Ryan and I loved who framed Roger rabbit and mm-hmm. a lot of people did, but we had it on VHS. We went to this, this guy's house, brought it. We were going to watch it. And like the minute little baby Herman started talking, his mom made us turn it off. She was like, we're not watching this. This is filth. And like, it really upset me. Cause like, I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. And I, I was just like, what? No, it's not filth. It's not filthy. <laughs> like my dad says stuff like this. <laughs> Worse. <laughs> my, 
my favorite during the high school crazies um, was uh, I had a friend over and we rented a bunch of movies and we just stayed up and like he's he would sleep on my floor like in my bedroom and I would sleep on my bed and like we'd watch movies it was just like a thing and um, and he was the only friend that would actually come to my house because my house was like not safe it was crazy um not not clean is what i'll put this is a better word than safe and so but he would he would hang out and so we fell asleep watching old school the will ferrell movie um but the the main menu the dvd menu because you know how like menus like loop and they play like some video over and over again um was will ferrell streaking and my mom the next morning i guess came in and turned it off and then took me aside and accused me of watching porn with my friend uh (laughs) and and i was like are you kidding what do you think? What? Why would? Why would it be Will Ferrell running in circles? And um, and so um, yeah, it was uh, it was wild, wild times. But I really related to Heist sort of explanation of why we read these things because even stories like Harry Potter and and things like that are um are all about this. And I'm I'm reading right now the Expanse book series, and this is kind of, that's still at the core of that, even though it's about adults. Um, and I just it really spoke to me, and it spoke to just I don't know memories of trying to like justify the fact that I had seen um, movies that a lot of my friends hadn't seen growing up, or read books that my friends hadn't read growing up. And um, I don't know, interesting stuff. I really like this. It's a lot to say about just a couple of pages of reading a kid's story, but uh, I like it and I like Heist more for it. And it makes me more nervous about where we're headed. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it, it devolves into a discussion about the circuit, right? Um, yes. Yes. That is, I guess, the more important thing. <laughs> Marco's never seen it. And so... I think I have some sets uh, up in, you know, my bedroom or something. So why don't you kids, like, we'll take care of the the baby or whatever. You kids go break some rules. And, uh, you know, well, it jumps away from there. So we can talk about what that actually means when we get back to it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for where this is leading. Um, So I guess we'll jump back to... um, so to Gwendolyn looking for Sophie, um, and she's walking through eating where we know that's a bad idea to eat the local food um, because you will see visions of crazy things that might tell you to do things. Um, and um, I do like how she yells, Sophie, Sophie, slave girl, like trying to get any response. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and you know, we have, we've talked about the way, whatever Marco's language is, but there's definitely like Spanish inflection there. So we get this, um, uh, Gwendolyn Mia Amo, which is clearly like my love, you know, and, and, um, we see a vision of a unicorn lady. So, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's naked. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, like the, uh, the grooming is really good. The landscape very good yeah um the tan lines and everything uh-huh. like, so good um i also i will i want to say like i really continue to appreciate the fact that um her uh her fiona staples people like her her beings are not like i don't know no, no offense to your guy but not like rob liefeld or something <laughs> like, oh yeah no for sure there's uh, such variety they- and i really appreciate that and they all look like real body types. Like yes, they don't all have the same body type, and they all look like real body types. Even the fantastical creatures 
look like the body type that they would have. Like going back to issue two or three when we go to uh, Sex Planet and mm-hmm. the people are just like giant faces. Like that, it looks like the body type that somebody that was just a giant face would have. <laughs> so um, she she does an excellent job with anatomy. So totally agree so so but but the thing is interesting is that Gwendolyn has the most presence of mind to go to to have, she has lion cat with it with her and she says cat the person who took my virginity is standing before me lying question mark i like the question mark um because she doesn't see anything and then she makes herself throw up but she has the presence of mind to go like oh this is not right Oh, it's the food. Like, I like how smart she is to figure that out. Yeah. And I do think that has something to do with having the magical background. Like, I know how potions work or I know how, you know, I know how this kind of thing works the same way that when you talk about, like, the publishing um, uh, planning for, like, comic books and stuff, you've been in comic book stores your whole life. You've been in, like, following these things and been a fan for years. So, of course, if if something happens on issue four, you're like, I see the timing, and that makes sense to me because you're so in that that world. She's in that world. Something weird is happening that kind of falls in that magic, magic-adjacent uh, world. She immediately figures it out, and it's kind of like having, like, an RPG team or something. Like, you, you gotta have the magician on the team to solve these kind of problems, and that's what she is in this moment. Yeah, and I, I like the uh, the implication that, uh, or the admission, really, that so, this whole quest for for her, definitely just about the vengeance. She, because the whole thing is that this planet gives you like visions of it's like your heart's desire, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to try mm-hmm. to keep you there. It, if Marco was who she wanted, then that would have been Marco. Marco was never who she wanted. Like that yeah. whole thing is a fake aid. So not I only didn't even is think about that. Like she's trying to go after Marco because she, but it's also because she can't live, obviously live the life she wants to live. So uh, like it's embarrassment, I guess, you know, for herself and shame too. So um, yeah, that like all of that's wrapped up in there and I love it. I like it. I like all that. That's all really good. Um, so so now um, I, I do. So then she's off, basically. Like we got to go. We got to get back to the ship and she's off. And we cut to superhero soap operas, which is the circuit, apparently. Yeah, the boys. <laughs> You're watching the boys. <laughs> um, did you find my cameo on this page? Um, yeah, in the back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it looks, looks a lot like you. <laughs> it really threw me off when I first saw it. Um, you you so got a cosplay want... as that character, <laughs> that guy. Um, so yeah, if you find if so, if you guys are reading along, the first uh, it, the with the first appearance of the circuit, the audience, and the guy in the wings above Marco. That's what I look like without the wings. I, I have no wings, but otherwise, that's me. Um, but yeah, so the circuit is essentially it's soap opera, and it's I, here's my favorite thing about it. Okay, is that the the VR helmet that he is wearing that you don't realize till he's taking it off puts you in the audience with the other people watching. 
And so you're like at a play. It's not just a soap opera on a soundstage. You're literally in the audience at the stage. And that's really yeah. fun to me. Yeah, it, it's it's such an odd concept because like you would think you would ju- it would just feel like putting on a headset and just watching TV. But like you said, it, it's like putting on a headset and then watching them film an episode of TV. <laughs> so it's uh yeah, it's such an interesting idea to take it like that one step further. It's know? nice and futury and sci-fi enough, but not like totally alienating and removed from what we know. It's like a, it's a good step. It's that fun science fiction that's just a few steps ahead of where we are now, but also feels like thousands of years in, in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like, and so of course, so um, so Marco, you know his his reaction. Huh, it's certainly loud, um, but I'm not sure I understood the subtext. And then she is immediately like, "That's because there is none." <laughs> it's yeah. sort of like in some cases, it's like not in most cases, I would say it's like superhero comics. Like, like why do you read this? Because like it's fun, and I want to see what happens next month. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, our our professional wrestling, like, oh it's, yeah, that's all the same. Like they're. No subtext. And that's it's okay. Kind of the... Just to have entertainment that is just entertainment. Like it's not trying to make you think about other aspects of your life. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So, so then the the idea is that um, so Alana did like a play in high school, and it seems like Marco is kind of like, what if we uh, try this? They're all wearing masks, like is this the job that was the last issue we were kind of worried about what's the, how they're going to make money um is this potentially the way uh to make money um and um and mark would be essentially a stay-at-home dad um and i it's i, I like that marco's so into it and hazel's narration of like he was looking for a less stressful job essentially than what he's had for years and being a soldier <laughs> that's pretty good um but it's it's a very funny shift and i never would have guessed because when because we had this whole idea that um the heist was going to sort of lead them down some other path um and the last issue and that's going to come back in this issue but um I, I would not have guessed this would have been the route at all this never would have come to mind yeah um it's it's fun I, that's all i'll say about it okay fair enough fair. one of my favorite things um from I, I think it's the second season of game of thrones and maybe later on there's a season of game of thrones with an acting troupe where Arya stark is involved with them um yep it's really good stuff there's there's also um a moment or the, the end of the final season of deadwood before they do like the movie years later there an acting troupe comes to deadwood and there had been plans for that to continue on in its story but that was one of those i would have loved to have seen another another season just to see what they did with the acting troupe um and so there were so many uh, i can think of just different times when the, the actors come to town or the main characters go to the acting and it becomes uh, elevated and so i'm i hope this gets explored more because it sounds very fun to me um so we're back with the will um and uh walk us through what's <laughs> well, going on with the will. the will he's having a bad life or at least a bad like this year yeah he's, he's having a rough year um yeah his uh his uh newly adopted uh little girl is standing on his neck after she stabbed him <laughs> so i i love the 
the breakdown of the entire power dynamic of these four uh, characters because uh, up until this point, so uh, it's well, slightly before this, Will was just going to stay there. And then he's like, well, Lion Cat can go. Lion Cat like attached to Sophie, not so much with Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn and Lion Cat are together. It, like, it's just this weird, it's very kind of soap opera except none of these characters are sleeping with each other. Um, and Lion Cat immediately attacks. So then Gwendolyn has. Like, it's just it, like everything's like who's on whose side. None of this was happy on the same team. Like this one like thing has poisoned this entire power dynamic. No, it's it's totally true. And and I it's the I like that line cat because of the ability to tell like is something true or not true is able to also be reasoned with through truth only, right? Not emotional right. appeal. It's all just like here is truth. And that will help bring Lion Cat around to any sort of purpose. Um, so it's not only don't eat Sophie, um, but the only way to to save the will is to get to Marco. And it isn't about, you know, Gwendolyn's ulterior motives. It is he knows the magic that can help save the will. That is the only way to do it. And Lion Cat, after she says, I swear, doesn't say lying. So now we've got, if I have everything kind of synced up as we're heading towards the end of this issue, we've got them, you know, the Will and Gwendolyn, Sophie, and Lion Cat for, with a reason to go straight to uh, our, our main characters. And we know that Prince Robot is also on the way. Um, we are getting closer and closer to all roads leading to a lighthouse. Yeah, it's, uh, so when we ended the last collection, that's where it ends with them uh, like waiting upstairs as Prince Robot tortures uh, and um, heist. Yeah. Heist. Uh, and you were so like, I can't wait to see what, like, after this. And Vaughn then spends almost the next six issues telling us what led up to that with every other character. And he just, they do such a good job that by the time, like, you get to the end of this and he like, hey, yeah, don't forget. Uh, Honestly, I'd already forgotten, like, uh, you know, that that's really where we left. We already know, like, the position of most of those characters. Well, one thing, too, that I like is that it's not just like this whole flashback structure, but in comics, we take for granted often what happens between the panels. Right. And because that there's this whole thing is I think it's Scott McCloud, right? The guy how to write comics or whatever. Um, yeah. A bunch of different graphic novels about the, the craft. And one thing he spends time on on his original uh, in his original book um, is like that space between panels and how much time, motion, emotional change, all this stuff takes place between those panels. And so this is all like filling in the space between a few pages in one issue because in the issue is like they're gone and then 
Prince Robot's where he is, and then and then oh my God, they're actually all together. What happened to get us there? And it 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 sort of proves the whole theory that like the whole world can happen between the panels, and I like that because it makes it not quite as boring as just um, just a flashback. But I do feel like we're saying like there there are. Uh, this world create you know contains a multitude and all it took to get here uh is is like it's just so it's not so easy and it could be and in, in a lot of series i think actually fall to a lesser quality because you just sort of let's get to the cliffhanger let's get to the standoff when there's so much more interesting stuff to get to the standoff and then the standoff will be incredibly interesting and even more so. But I, I think of there are other writers and I won't like slag off anybody, but like I can think of other people who I enjoy and have enjoyed, but I'm looking at it going like, man, that person would have done this cliffhanger. And then we would have jumped to the next issue and have been like, let's resolve that cliffhanger immediately. And it wouldn't have mattered how they actually got there other than bad guy wants good guys. So of course they ended up at the same place, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm actually uh, kind of going through uh, realizing something similar with the the book um, book series I've been reading for a couple of years. Don't shame me. Um, Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Yeah. Um, where every every book has gotten, of course, successively bigger. It seems like almost doubled in size with every new volume, um, and. Like so, uh, it's all about this guy Roland's quest for the Dark Tower, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, any basic writer would have just kept it about that quest. But as he goes on this quest for the Dark Tower, like the story is actually in all of the things that he comes across, like all of the the people he meets. the The book I'm reading now, The Wolves of the Cala. It's it is the Magnificent Seven, basically. They they blow through this town, and the townspeople need saving because these people, the wolves, come every generation, come to their town and steal their children, and take them away. Um, and so he's a gunslinger, so he has to basically help these people because he's like a, a like a knight, mm-hmm. and. It has nothing to do with the Dark Tower. Yeah. Like, very, very little. There's bits and pieces that are like, oh, hey, this ties in, this ties in. But it's all about him and his new friends helping these people because their children get stolen. That's the book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's between the pages where any other author would write that as half of a chapter in a book, you know, maybe, maybe a full chapter. But it would not be the entire book, right? Yeah, it's it's incredible stuff, and and it's it's working really well because the the tension. I'm in, I'm enjoying stuff, and then constantly reminded at the end of every issue, including this one, how tense I feel and how much more tense I feel because of the pages I've just read. It's a great stacking, uh, stress-inducing uh, storytelling device. Um, Really good stuff. But part of what is doing that for me is what we're getting to in the next pages. We cut back to Heist um, and to uh, Marco's mom. It's Clara, right? That's what we decided on. 
So remember, yeah. am I remembering that right, Claire? So Clara, they Clara. are. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so Marco's mom and Heist are are talking um, about how um, uh, basically, you know, war is you know, terrible and heist would run and hide. And she's saying, wouldn't you stand and fight for the land of your ancestors? And he's like, I've got just a book for you. Um, and, um, and, and like, they're, they're clearly having this great back and forth. Um, and I love Isabel kind of coming out of the couch to go. He's completely into, you you know, and then she, and in her response, I'm not blind Wraith is <laughs> so good. Um, but what's happening in those pages between Oswald and Marco's mom, and even Isabel, who's not in danger like the others are, except for the danger of being, like, sad if everyone died, right? Um, and I guess technically we don't know what would happen if something happened to Hazel. I guess Hazel's the only one that's safe because she's narrating from at least an age at which she can write. Um, and so, um, so, but, like, we're liking all of them more because we're spending more time with them. There's this potential romance happening um, that... Um, that like they were buying even as marco's mom is saying i just lost my husband weeks ago we see what isabel's saying she sees what isabel is saying there is this potential chance for connection and we're buying into all of this only to be reminded um you know that they need to hide because there's someone coming this way as high says as he runs down the stairs and hazel reminds us i guess you already know what happens next Prince Robot 4 finally rolls into town. Um, and it's such a good, like, I can see it playing in my head, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, Maracone music or something. Like, uh-huh. it's just such a good thing. With the added Vaughn taste of he's trying to talk to his wife and they have bad service. <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> so good. Um, so he's trying to say things. So, but, so there is this level too, like, it's not, it's not about making him a good guy, but again, it's just sort of like he is a, he's a being with a life. And so he's got this wife and this kid and he's trying to talk to them. He doesn't get to say goodbye. And now we're going into the standoff. He has things to lose too. He has, he has, his family has something to lose too. Even if his wife, we can't really get a feel for her other than like the aristocracy and whatever she's doing, but she's got a child and, and you know, the child that Prince Robot's invested in, like, I, I don't know if love, he's a TV man. I don't know. I don't know what love is for him, but I, it, there's emotion there and we know we're going into the standoff. If everyone has something to lose, right? It's not just bad guys and people with something to lose. Everything gets much more uh intense and scary um and um that's something that yeah it's something that vaughn is so good at. i know i've said this before but the the biggest thing uh, in uh, like becoming uh so appreciative of his writing for me that like he he will make every single one of these characters sympathetic you will become like empathetic towards them you you will kind of like we're right now we're still kind of on like oh the will we hope the will is okay this different like and you're just like oh don't i don't want him to die like and he does that with every single character and it's mind-blowing it's it's not something that book writer really does think of uh him as like dr doom 
We all love Doctor Doom as a or Thanos. That's a more commonly known one. We all love Thanos as a villain, but like they don't really write him sympathetically. Like you, you understand his cause, but you're not really rooting for. Like when they spoilers for uh, Endgame, uh, when they finally kill him, you're not just like aw. No, you're like, okay, well, good. <laughs> like, he's dead. Glad. <laughs> so. No, but, no, I, to- I totally agree. But yeah, you, Vaughn does that with all of his characters. No, I, I absolutely agree. And we get this um, this this shot as we approach our final page, our final splash, as we were so used to at this point. Um, but the panel is, so yeah, this piece of work goes on to brutally interrogate our host, which for us is heist, this guy who's super nice that we're kind of in love with already. Like, at least I am. Um, and, and, and. You know, Claire's finding this connection with, like, it goes on to brutally interrogate our host. Now, our host means so much more than it meant in that issue where there was a huge cliffhanger, right? There was a huge cliffhanger, yep. and it meant something, but she says, our host, and I'm like, it's heist, and here's all the stuff about him that's interesting. Here's all the stuff I like. Here's his whole life and these two words, our host, um, interrogate our host while my family is, and, and the family, even even Clara now at this point is much more fleshed out. We know her so much better than we did at that moment of the cliffhanger. So when she's, so when Hazel writes my family, that means more to us, um, is forced to cower in terrified silence. That's our cliffhanger. But I really love the, the, the uh, binocular view of Robot as we turn the page, we get the words. After that, things got action-packed, and it's the the almost hero shot, even though it's not necessarily a hero moment. But it's a, the hero shot of Gwendolyn and her cape, or you know, flowing in the wind, and Lion Cat and her staff, <laughs> and the ship behind them, and they're looking. It's over. the Will's cape, right? Like it is the Will's cape. Good, yeah. good, good call. I didn't even catch that. Yes, and so. <laughs> He's dying. He doesn't need this. I'm gonna wear it. Cause look how cool it looks on the cliffside. So such, such a Lando move. <laughs> it is. That's good. <laughs> Why are you wearing Han's clothes, man? <laughs> oh man. Um. So it is. It's a fantastic ending. Um. Rolling towards the the action packed uh, standoff that we've been waiting for. But we now know. Okay. He's if he's walking to the lighthouse and she is there seeing him any moment like it's not we're not going to get to this standoff and be like when she's showing like she is there any second um and it's not necessarily she's going to be there in the total aftermath she's going to be right in the middle of it potentially it's so much more stressful than it was six issues ago or four issues ago whatever it was like it's holy cow everything's crazy yeah it it is to show you it's a perfect like they were all so close to each other like it, it, and you it feels like a bigger world and and i yeah. guess it's kind of an interesting comment on how close we all are to each other without ever really realizing it anyway i mean hell we lived in the same city for a good chunk of your life <laughs> shopped yeah. at the same store like once or twice a week we're in the same place um just at different times yeah and never never once it's just so wild in a memorable way 
Yeah. I mean, and here we are about to have that moment in the most memorable of ways for all these people to intersect. <laughs> that and that's what that's what storytelling is, right? You you take yep. that real life thing and then you just ratchet it up and and have some fun with it, um, and and or you know some stress with it, um, and and we're in it. And and um, I have this feeling because we have a couple of more issues left in my collection um, that I'm like. I hear what they're saying, but I feel like it's not the next issue where things get crazy. It's going to be the one after that because that's what Vaughn seems to seems to do to me. Um, but uh, but we'll see very soon. Um, yeah, it's just, no, it's, the, or, and, or it's going to take the Game of Thrones approach, where the ninth episode of the series is the really action packed, like oh my god, and then the tenth episode is like another um, cl- like son of a bitch. <laughs> Oh man, that was just so stressful. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we can podcast tomorrow. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so that ends chapter sixteen. Uh, what's your what's your panel or page of the issue? Well, um, I, I'll, I'm just I'm going to read the first sentence of the letters column. Okay, and uh, it's Brian K. Vaughn says, "Well, if there's one thing we all love, it's a Fiona Staples splash page." Um, it, that last page is pitch perfect. It's brilliant. It's so good. It's so good. It's so heroic. It's a trailer moment, like in a movie trailer. Like it is, it is mm-hmm. everything about it's cool. Um, no, I, I'm with you. That's a really great one. I'm actually going with the the one, the panel before it, the, the binocular panel. I have a thing about you're watching a, a show or a movie from a perspective, and then all of a sudden you see it from binoculars and you realize there's a third party in the scene that you've been in for a little bit of time um i really really love that um so i'm going with the panel right before it where it with hazel's narration because i also love that the loaded um that phrasing in there that is now so much more meaningful that we know the characters more um but the binocular shot of looking at prince robot through the binoculars as as gwendolyn's looking through him i I love that i think it's so cool and it also reminds me of the westerns like like that that's when the music kicks up even more dramatically because you're like not only were you looking at him now someone else is too um it just i love all that i thought that was great yeah it, it those last few pages I, I mean we all we talk about how how good it all is but those last few pages so so good man it's it's i mean it's it's, it's a great series it continues to be i'm not i'm not surprised at this point um just sort of enjoying the ride you know yeah, I can't. Uh, I can't wait for what comes next. Oh, that makes me so nervous. Um, well, all right. So we have finished uh, chapter sixteen. Uh, anything else? So we're in a couple issues. We're doing um, issues and a couple episodes when we take our break between graphic novels. Uh, we're doing the Brian K. Vaughn's work in The Walking Dead, which is named The Alien, right? That's what we're, that's what it's yes. called, The Alien. Um, so uh, we have I've gotten that off of um, in stock trades. I think you can get that wherever you can order you know graphic novels. Um, and it's it's not too big, but if you want to 
listen to one of our special episodes where we take a break between basically the graphic novel, the paperback, or storyline really uh, publishing sort of breaks. Um, we then cover another work of Vaughn's in the graphic novel form, so we're doing that going, I think, as far a field of saga as you could by bringing us right back to Earth in the zombie apocalypse um, with The Walking Dead, the alien. Um, I have no idea what to expect. I have completely refused to read anything about this. I'm just going to open it up and find out what it is uh, when I open it up. Um, but if you want to get ready to read ahead or, or have something ready um, to be able to listen to that episode, to reread if you've already got it, that's what we'll be doing in about three episodes, right? So we have two more and then the break, correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, and you and I, we might be recording that in person. I feel like we get together every chapter break or every section break because then we do Doctor Strange <laughs> in person. We did. That's too funny. Um, and so, um, but either way, um, my hope is if you're in person, we'll still get some issues done in person as well. Um, but uh, get prepared for that if you'd like. Um, you can find me on Twitter if you'd like to at Film Dispenser, like a Pez dispenser for movies. I have cut my like who I'm following down by like a fifth, and I only check Twitter like once a day. Um, and so uh, I, it's not a big statement. It's just like I'm actually reading a lot more, and I'm, I think my brain's happier for it. Um, but you can DM me there. I do check that stuff. That actually emails to me if you DM me there questions for the show. I'd be happy to, to read those or answer those here on the show. Um, Logan, where can people find you on the Internet? Um, com. Um, if you want to read anything I write, it's all over at the movie aisle. Moving pictures. Com. That's what you got to read, guys. Moving pic and, and gals and non-binary pals. Um, it's uh, moving pictures. It's a great column that he won't self-promote enough. And uh, <laughs> if, if if more than two people are listening, be the third and fourth people uh, to to read it from this podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, go go do all that and rate and review us on iTunes. Did you mention that? Please go I did do not. that. Good. Yeah, there you go. It helps people find the show. We would love it if we had an audience of, I don't know, we've got 16 issues in now, right? So I'll take 16 listeners. 16. That would be nice. I have no 16 idea. would be great. Me no either. Idea. I think Apple shows you now, right? Or are they going to show you soon? Yeah, I check because I, you know. Don't yeah. want to be sad. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so yeah, uh, please rate and review, share us around, tell your tell your friends. Um, and uh, Logan, I have one question before we sign off because this is the weekend of Dominion. Are you going to see Jurassic Park this weekend? I am. Um, there's actually a double feature playing today at five, and I seriously consider going the first and last movie. Oh, interesting. I would like to see so. the first one in the theater again, but. I'm going to watch it. At I'm home. actually my I'm writing about the first one right now. Me going to see it for the first time. It is a experience that I pretty vividly remember considering it happened. 93, almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I remember sitting down and watching it and like walking out of the theater being like, Fuck, I did not know that movies could do that. Which theater did you see it in in Columbus? I didn't. Oh. I saw it in Pan Panama City, Florida. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. It had already been out for a month by okay. the time I saw it. Gotcha. So. Yeah, that the movie messed me up. I was too young to see it at the time. Um, 
I just needed like a year and a half more, and that would have been fine. But I was just, yeah. just if young. If I was enough. 14, you would have been, what were you, like seven, six? I think I was six when I saw it. Yeah, yeah uh, that, that's, oof. Yeah, in the theater, too. And like, yeah, I think that it's just a whole different thing. Um, but anyway, um, I'm not seeing Dominion. I'm just curious. I still didn't see the last one. Um, oh, the reviews are not good. Yeah, yeah. My, I feel very good about my my moving on from my emotional stakes in this series. Um, and like everyone, like all these like, you know, I've switched to 4K. So all these sets are coming out and stuff. And I'm like, wow, it's just so nice not to have like one extra set I just don't need to buy. I don't feel the need to draw to because I haven't even seen the last movie and I won't see this one. I don't think I don't think I'll ever see him unless my kid wants to see him. Um, and I, so uh, the last one had its moments for sure. Like I think it's a better movie than the first Jurassic World. Hey, it's look, a mess. I'm but. gonna come back. I'm gonna come on record and be like, I'm coming back around on Chris Pratt to a degree, and I'm still just like, no, nah, I'm good. It's not even about him. It's not about. It's just kind of like. I just don't care. <laughs> it's so weird yeah. to not care. I still haven't. There's there's other big pop culture things this year um, that I'm just like, yeah, I just don't know that I'll ever do that. There was one thing last year. Again, I'm not going to say any of it because I don't want to. If we do get new listeners, I don't want them coming after me for being mean to the thing that they love. Um, and these and these things have traditionally very vocal Internet people. Um, but But like there's several major, major things. And I'm just kind of like, yeah, no, I'm OK. I'm OK. But I watch Kenobi, and I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there's some people way more pissed off about Kenobi than I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I just, yeah. Even I'm, like, I'm just like, that's a, that's a bit much, bro. Calm. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it makes me happy. My kid loves it. I think that's, I think everyone should have to watch Star Wars with a six-year-old. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, like, I, uh, literally so wrapped, wrapped up in. The, the nonsense of the the canon. So we watched the the end of Revenge of the Sith a couple weeks ago because Ezra that that had been a big thing for him that he when we originally watched I wasn't gonna let him see the end because he was kind of nervous about the big fight and I was like I just don't think the Anakin stuff it's personal intensity like that like Spider Man No Way Home that freaked him out because Doctor Octopus was like in Peter's face tearing us his suit apart on the yeah. bridge and it was so personal and i was like and so that and i knew that about him and and so this was even before spider-man came out we tried to watch revenge of the sith but i was like buddy we'll probably stop before the big fight and at some point we'll come back to it um and so we finally did it we we watched it and and he did great he was a little intense but he was good um and he was very proud of himself for doing it um and um but then so then the funeral for padme happens at the end and then he goes oh it's her funeral and then he goes oh look it's jar jar <laughs> <laughs> and and i have to say like i'm not saying i necessarily uh, uh am like a fan in a big way of that character but i definitely was like you know what yeah okay okay we're just gonna let that rest now written for the kids man just gotta let it go um, so yeah so there's an element where i'm like people are like how's Leia getting chased and like, no, nah, no one's catching her. I'm like, I don't know. My six year old thought it was thrilling. So I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, that's fine. You if know, you didn't like it, 40 year old dude, like I like, I'm fine with it. My kid was like, get yeah. away, Leia, get away. <laughs> People shit on Hayden Christensen so much for being a bad actor. If you just watch the end, that like their end fight, mm-hmm. like, He's not a bad actor. He was really, really poorly directed. 
um, because that there's a lot there. You're talking about the intensity. Oh yeah, there. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, when he's like just screaming at Obi Wan, like no nah, man, like uh, that whole restrained thing in. Uh, without that, I don't think it, Adam like Driver he's holding works. it all back. Yeah. I I think that without that being introduced into Star Wars, Adam Driver doesn't work in the sequel trilogy. Yeah, because because he would be too out of step. But yeah. he's but he's not like it show like that we got a full Sith meltdown with a human being animated. I love animated. I think it's just important to the story and all that stuff. But it's a different thing. You give different leeway with animated stuff um, in terms of what feels emotionally real because you can feel. I think it's um, it's probably just as challenging to create, but to to take in. It's easier as a human to go that performance of intensity is silly or too much than it is with animation and yeah. and that's just a weird take but that's sort of anyway but if adam driver was freaking out there wasn't and doing all that stuff there'd be no precedence for that kind of thing in live action and christensen is that in that fight like totally is and because yep. uh, we never we never see i uh we turned this into a star wars thing but yeah. i i gotta find this and send it to you i think i sent it to jacob um this dude breaks down uh how we think of Luke as Anakin's kid and not that he isn't, but Luke is his mother. Mm-hmm. Leia is her father. Yeah. And because we see that intensity, never see her have a meltdown like that, but we see that passion in her where Luke seems like he wants to fight, but he wants to do it. Like he seems more diplomatic, which yeah. is funny because Leia is the diplomat, but she's very much diplomat. I have I a could... gun and I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. So I'll find it and send it to you. It's it's a it's a great uh, breakdown of those two characters that I honestly never thought about before, because it, like we we get that whole there's too much of his father in him. Like, yeah, like, because he wants to be a pilot and he hates fucking Tatooine. <laughs> like, yeah, but he's not, he's not that intense. If our podcast had a letters column, it would be called Notes from the Galaxy. <laughs> so that's what this was. Enjoy your letter column, folks. The extra, the extra content at the end. I can hear my kid crying in the other room, so I am going to run off and go uh, co-parent. Um but thanks for listening, everybody. Um, and uh, we'll talk more saga and probably Star Wars uh, because it's never going to end. So we're never going to stop talking about it uh, in the coming weeks. Can't wait. This is the matter, the casualty saps for the intergalactic battles this little child slept through. If life